0: To episode 54 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and interiors. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico, a healthy buildings consultancy based in Barcelona and London. In this episode, I'm in Essex, to the east of London, talking to Dr. Mike Rogerson of the University of Essex. Mike has a PhD in sports and exercise science. His research interests include the links between exercise the environment and well-being as well as what is known as green exercise that involves an element of nature combined with physical activity we collaborated together back in 2017 on a research study into the benefits of biophilic design in a gym environment exploring the additional mental health benefits of training in that type of nature inspired indoor environment the link to that study will be in the show notes in this discussion though. We're looking at a slightly wider range of topics, including green care and the benefits of nature exposure for seniors in care homes, different types of natural settings and how they can impact our mental well-being, social exercise versus solo exercise, and of course, more on the green exercise theme. Mike has a conspicuously well-trained mind. He's able to handle multiple threads in an argument simultaneously, seamlessly nudging various arguments forward piece by piece, making it, I believe, a remarkably easy conversation to follow despite the academic depth and obvious rigor that lies behind his thoughts. If you enjoyed the show, do hit like or subscribe. My contact details are in the show notes too. Now here's Dr. Mike Rogerson. Mike, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'd really like to establish the scene, if you like, with a little bit of background on your connection to nature. How did that become part of your career within the sports and exercise science Space.
1: Uh, yeah, good, good place to start, I guess. Um, so, so first of all, I've always been not extremely so, but like an outdoors um, appreciator, an outdoors kind of person. I spent a lot of outdoor time uh, as as a child, just with friends at the local park, to be honest. So I so say not nothing too extreme. But then, um, in terms of my, my professional um, nature connection, my my undergraduate dissertation during my my first uh, degree in sports and exercise sciences um focused on what was at the time very new uh, strand of research called green exercise uh so I, I did the projects it sounded interesting to me and then through the process of doing it i um, had my own uh, kind of methodological and um, research related thoughts about it um so so that sparked my interest and then when i decided uh, after a few years after university when I've been living in London and a few other places doing various things uh, came back around to it and um, decided I wanted to do a master's in psychology because I was interested in that kind of stuff but always with an eye on returning at some point to to address the issues I thought there were with the green exercise kind of research area so so that's how my professional uh, nature connection kind of got started.
0: Okay so let's loop back around to the the green exercise bit. I wanted to lay a baseline in terms of the benefits and the why. And I think perhaps the route in for that could be the concept of green care, which is arguably perhaps more extreme in a sense, but also if you're able to make an impact there, uh, how interesting the idea of a dose of vitamin nature. For people, for example, living with dementia, could uh, genuinely improve their their quality of life. So I'm wondering if you could just talk to us a little bit about that, and also considering things like you know whether there are certain ages where nature exposure can can be more or less beneficial. Like, is it perhaps you know can you get more from it if you're as a kid, uh, or if you're at the later phases of life, or do you see it as very much a universal thing?
1: Yeah, um, it, I, the first thing to say is uh, definitely. A universal thing in that um from from what i've seen certainly in the research most people can get some kind of benefit but the uh, the benefit each individual gets will be down to things like age and previous experience and um and also potentially the reason why they are engaging with the nature environment in the, in the first place for that acute experience can all lead into it so there's research showing that um uh nature, uh, t- time spent in nature as a child can, can buffer life stresses, um, both as a child and then into adulthood as well. Uh, we have uh, this thing called placemaking, where if somebody um, gets a-, a connection with a particular place, whether that's nature or not, then that can be a powerful tool that they they then use that um, to almost serve a function of uh, um, finding like, a mental uh, space when they visit there to, to, uh, to a- a- address it problems they might be having and, and feel restored and of course then there's theoretical reasons why a nature environment might be additionally useful if you do pick a nature environment as the place to make whereas then yeah up at the the kind of green care end of things which tends to be older adults not always uh, but uh, a lot of it is with, with older adults then yeah obviously they've got the uh, of, often they've got um the aspect of reminiscence so, if they spent time in nature as a child, um, for example, um, in in the countryside or on a farm, then if if a, a care provider takes them to a, a farm or other type of outdoor environment, they've got that reminiscence factor, and it brings old memories back that otherwise wouldn't have done. And then you uh, sometimes find that they they are readily able to to talk easily about old old memories because of the environment they're in. Um, Whereas uh, otherwise they don't, they don't open up at all and uh, they, their memory is very, very bad. So I've seen that, uh, for example, in, in uh, adults living with dementia uh, and, and uh, the environment when they spend time in it, a farm environment, for example, seems a really powerful tool. in then momentarily uh, cutting through uh, some of the, that kind of cloud, that dementia has placed on them uh, so it's a really powerful thing to to, to witness but um but yeah the research has also uh kind of touched on that and started to to bear it out a bit more numerically um and with some some wonderful uh, qualitative insight too so i'd i'd say that the the benefits are not universal in the sense that everyone gets the same thing all, all the time or to this or to the same extent but universal in the sense that most people most of the time should be able to get some kind of benefit from from engaging with nature.
0: So let's use that as a the springboard then and, and really get into your area of expertise around green exercise. So let's establish, first of all, what it is and and from there, how it can facilitate well-being. And, and perhaps the, if you could talk a little bit about the potential that you identify with green exercise in, in terms of particularly that study you did from 2020 around regular doses of nature.
1: Okay, yeah, the... Uh, The term green exercise uh, just quite simply is referring to some kind of physical activity whilst experiencing nature in some way. So most regularly you could think of uh, a walk in the park, for example. However, you don't have to be experiencing nature um, in terms of being there in the place. It might just be a case of looking at uh, images uh, of nature. So some kind of nature experience and some kind of physical activity. So on the physical activity side of stuff, that could be what you'd consider exercise or even sport. Um, Or it could just be uh, more kind of uh, activities based in nature, like horticulture or um, allotment, attending to an allotment, that kind of thing. Uh, Or doing some kind of task at a farm, even. So there's different types of green exercise. So don't I don't people to be put off by the, the term exercise. It's just just the umbrella term that's kind of used. So so both uh, kind of influences of an environment on an exercise behaviour or outcomes of exercise and things like green care could both be considered under the green exercise uh, umbrella. So 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 that's kind of um, what it is and what's underneath that umbrella. And in terms of the 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 outcomes uh, that have been reported by the research, in terms of uh, exercise, more in terms of walking and cycling and that, that kind of thing. Uh, the classic findings are exercise improves uh, your your psychological well-being in, in, the, in the short and the longer uh, term, but uh, exercise uh, in in nature might offer additional boosts to that. So even bigger improvements in mood or self-esteem or uh, restored levels of attention that kind of thing uh, and on the green care side uh, there's there's uh, lots of kind of evaluative um, work been done which i'll come on to uh, in relation to the 2020 study in a second um, and and a lot of the time that kind of uh, uh, mood or uh, other well-being related questionnaires so the Warwick Edinburgh of well-being scale for example in the uk uh, and then some some interviews, so qualitative insight into to what difference um, green care experiences seem to be making to people uh, both in the short term and over things like 12 week programs or longer than that so yeah in the in the 2020 study you mentioned matt the, uh, the the point is i had lots of data from those kinds of valuations where it's a well-being uh, targeted project for a specific vulnerable group of some kind. So whether that's older adults living with dementia or youth at risk uh, or homelessness and lo- lots of different vulnerabilities uh, where they would use the environment in some way as the base or as a really key component of that wellbeing programme. So I mentioned already the um, the dementia uh, wellbeing project that was based on a, on a farm. I alluded to that already. There's also another organisation we work with a lot locally uh, called the Wilderness Foundation, which is a youth at risk-related project to do with well-being and uh, recovery from uh, other serious issues. Essentially, it's a it's a therapy program, but the environment is key to it. So they take them to wilderness environments, including up to up to uh, the Cairngorms in Scotland, um, and that that uh, that space they go to becomes a key component of of the therapy. So so what I did is I I pulled the data from lots of different projects like that because on their own, there wasn't enough data to properly analyse it statistically. But together, there there is a method where once you pulled that data, you can do a, a a proper statistical analysis of the data. So so I did that. Uh, and unsurprisingly, probably, um, it came out that uh, these projects seem to be benefiting um, people's mental wellbeing, as measured by the Borough Academy well Wellbeing Scale, which right now in the UK is the Kind of uh, the go-to uh, for, for overall uh, mental well-being, and I split that analysis uh, in, in one part by uh, by how long the project was. So, was it twelve weeks, or was it? I think twenty-six weeks was the was the other group, um, and uh, both of those groups showed improvements over time in mental well-being. Uh, the slightly longer projects uh, showed slightly larger improvement, but most of the improvement was gained after only twelve weeks. And then another finding of, of that particular paper was that uh, for, uh, for different types of people, uh, there were different extents of the benefit that they, that they seemed to gain from going on these projects. So uh, although everyone showed some kind of, not everyone, but um, overall, most people showed uh, improvement uh, in their mental wellbeing score, uh, the people who started off with the lowest scores showed the biggest improvement so that's a real demonstration of the kind of uh, the leveling up uh, ability of uh, of these nature-based well-being projects and it shows that maybe the most vulnerable can get the most benefit um sorry go on on, i can see yeah
0: so so if when you say that the lowest scores so is that in terms of current mood uh occurrence of self-esteem sense of vitality what were the markers in that
1: so so this particular project i've just been talking about was um uh, the, the The only data that I had that was um, from the same measure across all of the projects was the the Warwick Edinburgh mental wellbeing scale so that's a, that's a measure of kind of globe a, a, a superficial but an overall measure of somebody's mental wellbeing okay. uh, so that that can be categorized into high medium and low in relation to the uk national uh, kind of average uh so so when i'm talking about uh, people with lower mental well-being made the greatest improvements uh more more definitely speaking i mean people that were in the the low category of mental well-being at the start of a project made the bigger improvements okay. compared to people who started in average to high category. so they really
0: caught up Got it. which is uh, amazing to see it's 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 interesting you know i'm thinking back to our 2017 study you know at that point The concept was effectively a gym, and I was assuming it was going to be a a pretty standard fitness studio gym for your average gym goer. But since then, so much interest has come from perhaps slightly more peripheral areas of the market. I mean, you've mentioned disadvantaged kids, kids recovering from trauma. I've had requests come in, look, could you create a green jungle gym type space for us within this NGO office for kids to be able to play in. you think, oh yeah, what a wonderful yeah, idea. Wow. Or like, in an old people's home, in a care home, could you create a, a, a space for training mobility and balance, but that it's mm-hmm. all biophilic and green. You know, increasingly I see the benefits there for perhaps groups that, that need it even just that little bit more. And they might be, as you say, in that lower segment, right? Cause you could just make that such a big leap from, from one mental state to another
1: yeah absolutely and then the the uh, yeah um, unfortunately rightly or wrongly we work, work in kind of like pharmaceutical terms if you like don't we with um, with well-being um and often it obviously it's treated with uh, with pharmaceutical medications and in that kind of language if we're talking about where's the biggest bang for our buck it's it's with the people who will make the greatest improvements and have have the uh the most catching up to do, if you like, in that sense. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's um, that's uh, in terms of the research pointing towards that, which previous research um, of other types has done. So there was um, a, a study um, by research of uh, uh, by the surname Mitchell uh, up in Scotland, who, who who showed a number of years ago that um, access to green space can um, uh, can essentially uh, lessen the uh socio-economic disadvantage on uh on people's mental health
0: hmm.
1: so so um there, there's that discrepancy between socioeconomic groups but uh the, uh the the access to green space that somebody has can then can then minimize that discrepancy so so that kind of leveling up uh is, is a real thing
0: the other area where i'm now seeing some interest is arguably in the very highest upper percentile where they're just trying to like in a a wellness center in a in a fairly prestigious corner of of London for example where they're just trying to squeeze every last drop of wellness and and, and well-being and happiness and, and mood enhancing benefits from a space so you're already going in having a spa treatment and they're like okay but if we layer in biophilic design and we bring that outside world in and we bring in some nature to this space can we Get a little bit more bang for our buck, so it's interesting. In a sense, the market bifurcates and sort of splits in two. I think perhaps the, you know, arguably the area in the middle is perhaps the the area where you don't want to be. I think it's perhaps, if anything, uh, either in the slightly disadvantaged area or in the area where there's there's more budget and there's um, Mm -hmm. more interest in just getting every last drop of wellness. But it does raise the question then of uh, what type of of nature or natural settings we're talking about. You know, I might in my mind. You know, we often did things along the green lines, right? It was it was forest scenes and and what have you. But I know that in two thousand fifteen, you looked at you looked at some different versions of that of the types of natural settings. So, what were the outcomes from from that piece of work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we uh, did that study because of the point you've just raised of what what kind of nature and and just to backtrack very slightly, the when we talk about green exercise, we cho- we've chosen that colour. I mean, hmm. you could argue it's because, because uh, we coined the term in the UK, here at University of Essex, and, uh, and nature to us looks largely green in color. However, when we're talking about green exercise, that, that really, the, the word green pertains to, to nature. It, like, it, we could have chosen another color, you know, and there, there is indeed a, a blue exercise group that has a very similar idea, but focuses more predominantly on on water. Um, you go to Australia and there's much more orange in the nature environment. So, uh, so yeah, green, green is, is really pertaining to that. Um, so we, uh, we looked at uh, just looking at real green exercise happening in the real world, which uh, a popular example of that is now parkrun events. So a, a 5k run or walk, however you want to do it, in a local park. Uh, so uh, I selected four different parkrun events. Uh, which varied in terms of the amount of water they had, and indeed, varied in predominantly the kind of environment it was. So, whether it was grasslands or a heritage site, a park built around uh, Colchester Castle or along a beach, uh, just to see do we get different findings from different green exercise environments. Uh, and I guess positively, the, the answer was no, not really. Um, good. People, yeah, all. exactly. Yeah. Off. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> So, so that that was the kind of the short answer. Um, and then uh, to go beyond that, uh, we we measured a bunch of uh, factors about individuals, so age, gender, uh, about their um, about their exercise they did. So, how fast did they run the five k park run event and and things like that. And then stuff about the environment as well. So, was it cloudy? Was it raining? Hmm. Um, and obviously, in the fact, there were four very different types of environments. Uh, so to see how much of the benefit, the psychological benefits of exercise that we measured, which was self-esteem, mood, and perceived stress, could be explained by those factors we measured, and what we found, again I think positively, uh, is that we couldn't explain more than ten percent of the improvement people showed in those psychological outcomes, which tells tells me that the vast majority, somewhere around ninety percent or more was due to stuff we didn't measure. So it doesn't matter who you are or how fast you run park run or whether it's raining that day or which type of green environment uh, you go for, you should be able to get most of the benefits of a green exercise experience. So I actually see that as a really, really positive result in terms of that universality of, um, of attaining uh, psychological benefits of, of green exercise. And just to, to round that off, I, th- I think it's important to say we didn't include An alternative type environment like an urban environment or a non-green environment and that was because most other green exercise research does make that comparison is green versus non-green so whether that's outdoors versus in a gym or in a green environment uh like a a park versus in this in a city center and predominantly those those studies are showing that green can give you those boosts so so we didn't include that comparison in, in in our study i've just talked about we just compared within our kind of spectrum of of popular green exercise environments.
0: Okay, but so that study then was looking at what we might classify as a social exercise setting. So it was to some extent, I mean, obviously you're running alone or you may be running with a friend or your your husband or wife or your kids in in the park Mm -hmm. run. It's always quite a sort of, but it's a collective experience, right? Then you look at a gym, the majority of people are training in the gym, or if you look at trail running, for example, that can be pretty solitary. And there can be beauty in that too. I, I find certainly that something about that that connection with nature and having the time to think and reflect and or, or listen to audiobooks or whatever it is that you do is is part of the experience. but I know that you've also looked at this in a much more rigorous and scientific way in the past, and I wondered how you what the outcomes were from that process of looking at group versus lone green exercise participation
1: so yeah we we got people to uh, do a typical green exercise experience. So um, uh, a jog around uh, the the kind of green space on our university campus, actually, in in this case. And they did that either on their own or as as part of a group. Um, And what we found, again, at the kind of like most superficial level was uh, that the exercise experience uh, elicited improvements in in the psychological variables that we measured, which was self-esteem and mood. Uh, And also seemed to increase people's um, reported level of of connection to nature in both conditions, which is unsurprising Mm -hmm. because it was in the same green space each time. But we didn't find a difference in those psychological outcomes between our two groups or two conditions. So doing it on your own versus doing it with other people. So although uh, superficially that that suggests it it doesn't make any difference, whether you do it on your own or or with others, just from that study alone, it, it doesn't really tell us about the p- potential nuances. So for example, when you're doing green exercise on your own, you might be more uh, uh, more frequently attending to the environment. So focusing on on a tree blowing in the wind, for example, that kind of thing. Whereas when you're doing a social experience, you might not notice that as much, but you might get alternative benefits to those psychological outcomes from having a conversation and enjoying the social interaction so we don't really know whether the the, the social setting makes no difference to uh the, the the influence of green on you the influence of the environment or whether uh it just kind of diminishes that and gives you a different benefit instead which is more of a uh, come, comes from that social experience so so it kind of raises more questions than it, than it answers uh, but that was certainly a, a, a first step in trying to, to get at one of those nuances of of the green exercise experience and the outcomes. I think it's a positive
0: thing, certainly from my perspective, because it means, um, I think it leaves the door open to, uh, to to use a term I know that you've coined, but the idea of exercise squared. So like doubling up with with extra benefits from Mm. indoor or outdoor green exercise in a collective group. So whether it's CrossFit or HIT training, whatever it might be. But equally, if it's a one-on-one session and you're in a green exercise environment, you can still get similar type benefits, so I think it's not yeah. closing anything it's it's sort of uh, it's allowing opportunities for, for all kinds of goodness maybe with some distinctions between the type of of uh, hormone releases that we're getting and the ones that we're getting from interconnection with other people and that yeah. social engagement versus as you say just yeah breathing in all those fight and sides in the forest and breathing fresh air and sort of connecting with nature it's slightly different but still about yeah. goodness right
1: but I think I often come to this philosophical point uh, when it comes to research findings. And um, the, the point is sometimes, does it matter how it works or does it matter that it works? Mm. And and for most people, most of the time, I think it's the latter. Uh, for me as an academic, I'm very interested. So I, I want to know how it works. Um, and many other people do too. Indeed, that's, that is key to in terms of that pharmaceutical language and bang for your buck. Well, if we can make tweaks to the, uh, to the experience like they make tweaks to a medication to try to make it work better and give you more benefit from it, that's when we need to know how it works. So I do think it's important, but in the the acute uh, experience of doing it and getting the benefits on that occasion, it's probably the latter. It's just that it works.
0: I think there's another angle to it as well, which is about... um automaticity and finding ways that people can actually start enjoying it for themselves on some inner level Mm -hmm. and therefore keep going and repeat it Mm -hmm. and make it a habit. And for some people that solitary exercise thing is just not happening. It's just Mm -hmm. not in their psyche, to get out of bed at six in the morning and hit the workout and reach those peaks, but but if there's a group of people or your best buddy around the corner waiting for you on the corner of the park, then then you're good. And you know you have to it has to adapt. I think that's the positive message that I take from what you're saying is that you know exercise is very personal I think and for some people it is a solitary experience and it's just you go deep into the cave and you 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 knock it out and you get the workout done and other people they need that interaction and they need accountability and so on and so forth what you're saying is green exercise works in both cases
1: yeah I think so and yeah I, I agree with everything you said there and it's it's why a lot of um health interventions now they they uh, they're interested in the amount of kind of social support around the person who's going to be doing it and we often hear about somebody's doing um, a particular whether it's a diet or a physical activity intervention and a family member says, "Yeah, I'll do it with you I'll do it with you and that makes a huge difference to many many people so yeah I, I totally agree
0: I wonder you're looking ahead I know we were talking before we, we started recording but around you know, where this can all go like if you if you look you know, three four, five years. Into the future, in terms of what you're doing around the green exercise space, what, what's left to be done, or what would you like to see in terms of further evidence based research coming through that you think can make a real impact?
1: Yeah, there's a lot, lots of things to be totally honest with you. Um, from across the research field, uh, excuse the pun, trying to make everyone's research more rigorous, also, uh, starting to more more so use the same measures as each other across different institutions different countries so that we got more comparable results and then we can pull the results easier like I did in in the uh, the doses of nature paper we talked about earlier uh, so there's that uh to be honest the the research area uh, in in the in the the modern uh modern day started in 2002 2003 and I feel like there's a lot of very very interesting early findings but now we need to increase that rigor uh, wherever we can and start getting at the mechanisms more, so we can say uh, more fine tune the experience for certain people. Um, and in in terms of my my particular kind of uh, next steps, I think are exciting is is virtual reality, use of virtual reality. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I mentioned uh, earlier, isn't it? I, I think that um, we need to use virtual reality. Uh, not instead of every other type of research but where we do lab based research previously we've shown people big screens uh, with with images of different environments on and the 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 benefit of doing it in a lab is you can control the exercise and and understand the exercise rigorously but now we've got this wonderful virtual reality technology we can make that uh, that exercise experience more immersive and hopefully slightly more like the real thing uh so that then when we compare our lab-based results to our more ecologically valid comparisons of indoor versus outdoor exercise and things like that, then uh, then it will marry up easier and we can understand these mechanisms better through the control and, um, and rigour it offers.
0: Nice. Well, I look forward to uh, following along for another five years or so. See what you're up to. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, Mike. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Matt.